So also we have a new sponsor, subscriber sponsor, LiveFlow. So we're going to do more stuff with LiveFlow, Nicole. Back. Yeah, LiveFlow is back for for good. So we're going to we're going to continue this train of of live flow flow. You have a beautiful testimonial that you wrote for live flow. Yes, I I love it. I'll tell you how I'm using live flow. I'm using it for a handful of different use cases. <laughs> Automating month end close, number one use case. So our process is that the bookkeeper or preparer goes in, does the month end close. So if you have a prepaid schedule, the prepaid schedule ties the balance sheet. You can automate anything in the GL detail. You can automate AP aging, AR aging. So my goal with the, the workbooks is so that whoever the accounting manager reviewer is can go in there and review a month end file in 15 minutes because the bookkeeper has done all the work and done their own self check. So that's automation with an exclamation mark. Yes, it's pretty dope. <laughs> dope books. Dope books. Dope, okay. Dopebooks.com. Second use case. I built out a forecast in Google Sheets and the live data from no way. QBO comes in, right? The actuals. So I'm reviewing the accounting and we have to update something. You just literally hit the little button and it refreshes everything. So you can see the numbers change in front of you. That's true automation we finally hacked it and did it like it's so cool wow you're a programmer i'm actually a paying user so i actually pay lifeflow to use the product yeah it's the truth in advertising and the truth in product feedback i don't want to just run one and done ads anymore that's not what we do with the show we have pr partners we have people Mm -hmm. that we are going to partner with long term and that's the solution for this problem. And I write a rap for them and we do another case study and we refresh that and we give them sound bites and things that they can use. So we're an arm for them to use as PR. So if they need an announcement and they need to get something out to their people, we're that megaphone. We're not affiliated with them, we're partnered with them. Or we're, well, I guess we're affiliated, but we're just more, more or less partner with them. Anita's awesome, I love her. And so we're gonna have Terrell come on a little bit more to do things with live flow. May I have your attention, please? Don't be tardy to the Coach McKenzie party. That's right, you're listening to Varsity Tips, formerly known as Nick's Tips with Scott and Nicole, where they sit down and discuss a hot topic to get Nick's hot takes and tips. It's the same show you've grown to know and love. We're just calling it something new to fit the curriculum here at Accounting High. So lace up your sneaks and stretch out because Varsity Tips is now in session. I repeat, may I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Nick's McKenzie and Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. We're coming to you live from the Varsity Tips Center. We have Nicole McKenzie and Scott Scarano talking about our profit. Again. This is... Accounting high, varsity tips. Wow, we've come a long way in a year, haven't we? We have, yes. Like, <laughs> what we're about to do, what we're about to show you, listeners, viewers, whatever, we're about to show you what we recorded, profit, profitability 101. Little did we know it was 101. We just thought we were talking about profitability. Back in... This was released in January, 2022. Okay, brace yourself here. A lot has changed. Are you ready to preview? This is basically, I cut it down to about five minutes. And here's the plan for the listeners. Here's the plan. We plan on talking about profitability 102. We want to bring you our perspective as it is today and review what we said last year. What did we want to change? What do we... What do we want to reinforce and were we right? Were we wrong? 
is there a right and wrong? Only time will tell. What do we hope to accomplish in this episode? We hope that you learn from our progress and from our mistakes along the way. You know that there are different ways to run your firm. However you want to run it is the right way. It's not the way we run ours. It's how you run yours. So as we talk about our wants and needs, that doesn't matter, right? Like this, I used to think what other people were saying and how they were doing it was how I should think. And little did I know, like, actually the way I was doing it is all right, you know? Yeah, I catch myself doing that too. And sometimes I'll realize that their firm's completely different than mine and what exactly what you said. Like the way I was doing it was just fine. Oh, here we go. We have a commercial break. <laughs> Simple test. <laughs> Simple test. Rule Simple test, rule everything around me, AppStream for accounting, powered by the Growth Lab. I grew up with dial-up and write-up, manual entry in a ledger with a 10 key. Enter high speeds, new countless technologies, allow to move up to the cloud with ease. A young noob was proud that I found new ground, find ruined pride and went upside down. Cleaning a mess was no fun, fixing up this one and that one, disconnect apps that don't run. But this was just a dream for the team at the app stream, automating simple task accounting and running up our margins, doing it with carbon, making more client time for charging. No question, trade high speeds for synced apps indeed. The combination made my mind free. No question, automated. Workflow was fully hosted. Solving pain points and file storage. Onboarding forever better. No damn human error. More client time means more cheddar. Trigger connections in your account. So get with the Growth Lab click and go all out. Connecting teams from cross seas. Automating these app streams. Seize opportunities. Eliminate, save time. It's like Amazon Prime. Pick the cow. Automate now. Simple task rule everything around me. App stream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. Simple task rule everything around me. App stream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. So I decided. Oh my god. Here we go. Oh my god. <laughs> See, this is oh, I remember this. This is when you started so first it was just a podcast, right? We're just recording our voices, and then you without telling me decided to start recording the videos and putting those on LinkedIn. And I was like, bro, I just got back from working out with no makeup on, looked disgusting. And then you surprised started recording everything. <laughs> I'm so when you put that on LinkedIn. <laughs> I love to hear your reaction to that now, a year later, because you didn't get at me that <laughs> didn't get that bad you were just like uh, uh oh wow oh, so man. i promise you, you i will not you. i'm wearing a reconciled shirt <laughs> were you chubbier back then i look chubbier don't i <laughs> yeah like, it, i think i was we're gonna just use you hear this? words that start with p yeah this sounds not there's great. a lot of good ones That's okay. and today we're gonna do profitability good choice in topic Profitability is everything. It's the last number on your P&L. That's our livelihood. That's what we take home. That's that's why we run our business. It's for the profit. When I look at my P&L each month, the first place I scroll down to the very bottom, I start at the bottom and then I work one day. You know what I look at each month is my bank statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't look at my P&L enough. And I need to. It sounds like you need to hire an accountant. So that's the takeaway so far is I need to hire an accountant. That's exactly what our clients do. They look at their bank account before they start working with us. I'm worse than our clients. That's still what I do. So one year later, I have learned nothing. I look at my P&L at the end of the year to see how much money I made. And that's it. A whole year last year. I looked at it maybe once, but I, I digress. I still think there's a lot of firms that are that never left the office, but a lot of them are offering um, remote jobs. Yeah, remote jobs. Like I didn't have blinds. So, definitely. It's not a, as much of a differentiator. Yeah, it's not as much of a differentiator, but it is a for me. Scratch that line off. That that lease, that rent payment is outsourcing profitable. Yeah, outsourcing. I, I've tried outsourcing a couple times. It, it is less expensive, but I do feel like their clients really value the relationship with our team and having conversations with them, and so. I'm still not sure on the outsourcing thing yet. I may I may try it again. It's really tempting to pay 13 bucks an hour <laughs> mm-hmm. for someone. And that's oh man, that just looking at 
So you may try it again. You pretty much have tried it, right? So we have a our virtual assistant, Luis, is from El Salvador. So I guess technically we have, but we have not outsourced the accounting yet. Not the work. Okay. Done that. No. But when I probably the first two years I had my business, I did outsource the Philippines and then brought everything back in. And I'm still trying to build like our core team here. But I think in the next couple of years we'll probably explore that for sure. Well, I still think that you're you knew that the clients do value the relationship and that still never hasn't changed. And they value the relationship with the team. And I don't think I I disagree with that at all because they still do with us. You know, we have the layer of of front facing, client facing people. And I think you would always have that too. You need the client reps to look and feel like like who you're serving, right? Like I want to work with somebody yeah. that likes me, that that looks like me, that you know is that speaks my language, that has my dialect, that we can we can chat about all things, this and that, you know, outside of just the work. Yeah, so. Ashley told me that our um, our she was looking at our time, like at the time our team spends, and forty percent of it last month was doing like the actual work, like bookkeeping, payroll, and fifty percent of it was client relationship management emails, meetings, miscellaneous one-offs, research, dealing with app. So, I mean, that tells you right there that half the, of the time that our team spends is the client relationship management. So you have the hard data for that now. And last year it was just basically, yeah, we think they spend most of their time doing all of that. So now you actually like, no, for real, that's, it's crazy. Um, but let's, let's not, not die. That line item, the difference between what I'm paying my people here versus what we've outsourced is tremendous. It's a huge difference. And the same work is getting done. So that became one of those like not messing around anymore. I'm no nonsense about outsourcing. I think it's it's part of who we are now. Yeah, I think we definitely have much better processes now where we could plug in uh, an outsource solution and then just have the team members, the accounting managers manage the relationship. And, you know, most of what we do is managing emails, calls from clients and just helping them with day-to-day questions. Hourly versus fixed fee. What's more profitable? Like I'm starting to realize now that sometimes oh, hourly Jesus. stuff is could be more profitable, at least to measure profitability because time is valuable. Since Poor I've guy. Made fixed fee billing, which I did maybe two and a half years ago, that is much more profitable because it incentivizes, if you price it right, right? You have to price it right and you have to make sure that your team's staying in scope. Reference but, our episode on pricing. When you start automating things that you... you so just to, uh, just to touch on that, I don't believe in billing hourly. I have just spent <laughs> three hours with Ron Baker and he's crushed my spirits when it comes to that. Um, like I did, I, you ever bill? I mean, when's nah, the last time did. you we said we never even did? Bill. I just said, I just said, like, I want to explore <laughs> the idea. Like, I just thought maybe it's more of a sure thing, right? <laughs> I was struggling as we get to like my actual profitability at that time. I was grasping for straws to figure out how to be more profitable again. So you know, well, we skipped over. You skipped over the outsourcing part because you. How much of your team is in the Philippines now? Ooh, yeah. Well, we, I think I, I get there and talk about the team on this, but like now I have four people there. At that point, we had one and we had phew, the number of people here. I think we had 10 people here and one there. Mm, now we have a yeah. total of five outside of me. So six, if you could with me, but let's just say five and four people in the Philippines. Yeah. So, and that two helped. Fewer, yeah. Two fewer total, um, I think. But, uh, Oh, yeah, it helped for show. Um, but let's, let's keep going. You can be punished for that if you're billing hourly. As you get more proficient, I guess. I was trying to think of a word that started with P. I come in and look at a client and they don't have <laughs> so, technology so integrated or they're doing something manual. Because I know at the end of the day that's taking them more time. So it's cutting into the profitability. What about times when it might make sense to not be profitable? That is my life right now. I'm rethinking my life, though. So, times. Now, what do you mean by that, though? 
Well, there may be times that you want to invest into the business. Maybe you have really high growth goals, so you decide you want to go hire three really, really good CPAs, get them trained, and basically staff up before you get client work. Yeah. Well, that sounds... I don't think I'll ever offer tax services. You got to, you know, you got to be able to weather a storm with that and have some reserves. When I said that, I was thinking of Michael Lee, and then you're wearing a reconciled shirt. Oh, maybe I subliminally made you think of him when you were when you maybe, were maybe maybe. So maybe you have really high growth goals. I always know that you're talking about him whenever you talk about that. Like whenever we shift and say, but you want to grow your firm to to sell it. He's the guy yeah. that's doing it. He's the one who's acquiring firms and just growing, growing, growing for the sake of growing, losing people all along the way and and whistling along the way as well. <laughs> just happily going about his day. Also, you were obsessed on these episodes of slipping in as many peas as you possibly could. As I possibly could. And, and yes. if you haven't listened to Riz's episode yet... He has a plethora of peas. He already was using the peas. My four pillars, which were pricing, people, process, and positioning. I've listed out everything that I've done under pricing, under process, under people, and positioning. Uh, and it just so happens that uh, they, all, they all start with letter P. He, he goes a plethora of peas without even telling me he had a paragraph of peas. He just kept throwing word after word, layer on layer, on top of each other. And it was like 37 peas in one paragraph. The pricing and the positioning go hand in hand. The better you get at positioning, so your perceived value is higher, then you can charge a higher price. So positioning is highly important because if you can position yourself and increase your perceived value as you're creating more impact in the world. Productization too. Marketing is all about finding that person who has a specific problem. You can position yourself as the problem solver. People only take action when they're in pain. People aren't just willy-nilly looking for an accountant. When something has happened that's causing them pain, get better understanding what problems do you solve what problems are going on in your prospects i loved it I was, when uh, did you amazed. record that episode was it when we were deep do in I? pea land okay yeah. that's when we were deep Somewhat in the peas still in peas yeah we're, i'm still deep in the pea i'm still swimming in pea sorry that didn't come out right not not swimming in pea looking to grow a management team i have two guys on my team that aren't doing any client work, but one is very much focused on operations and back office and another one is front office. Those are the people that save the rest of the team time. And so as you grow, the oper your operating costs stay the same, but your gross profit keeps going up. Right. So it's good to have that invest, I think, in that foundation, having that freedom and space to think about things as a CEO. So freedom, that's, a, that's, the, that's what you're paying for. I traded off profitability for freedom. Yeah. And... They shield me when I say that they like my team, they shield me from a lot, almost everything. Like I don't even know what's going on in the firm. I'm so far removed. I, I I feel worthless. I don't know what to do. I feel worthless. I don't know what to do. Poor guy. Should I help him? <laughs> Should I tell him it's gonna be all right? Should I tell him everything will be all right? Just uh do your thing. But look at you this year. Crushed it. I know. Well, this is it's really cool. Like this is um I don't know, should we continue? Do you have any, do you well, have any comments on, on this? I, mean, I, have, like, I have some comments on this, okay? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so last year I was extremely profitable, made a ton of money. January 2023, net profit margin zero. Okay. So lost 20% of my revenue because our biggest client sold their business, invested in a marketing firm, so I'm paying them like four grand a month. Hired an admin assistant and gave everybody raises. So I feel like that same thing, or you did the same thing where you gave everybody raises, and then I'm, I'm hoping I'm not. I don't have a ten percent profitability year, but I'm definitely like investing in the infrastructure and hoping that it pays off. But it sucks right now. Well, you, you teased the ten percent. <laughs> we, we get there in a minute. We we're slowly rolling there. So. But it's important to acknowledge that and understand that in your current context, because for me, it was hard. Last year at that time, I mean, I tried to be in high spirits, but it made me so 
depressed. Like because I wasn't making any money, I couldn't do anything. It was like paralyzing me. Um, yeah. I couldn't spend any money, and I'm still affected by that. Although I've never, I've been, never been one to really spend willy nilly. You know, I'm, I'm very cautious of my spending, but it just made it worse. Like I was still in a psychological mess when it comes to money, it, even just a few months ago. I'm getting better though. I'm starting to have a. I'm starting to have a mindset shift, like a real life mindset shift before my eyes with my relation, yeah, a Jedi mindset shift on my relationship to money. And it took reading books and just hearing the same thing over and over again about having a, not just a growth mindset, but like abundance mindset and (laughs) feeling that abundance. Like I want to be on the abundant accountants show. Like she seems like she's got it all together. Michelle Weinstein, she knows what's up. I want to be on her show. I want to meet her. So I feel like I was like that last year. And then today I was doing my bookkeeping. And I was like, we got to cut all these these software costs. But I was last- trying to help you last year. I was trying to tell you, <laughs> let me just go through your P&L and tell you all the shit that you're wasting money on. Because you probably you know could be making more. So I was walking out of Safeway last week and there's this guy and he was like selling shirts. And... um I started talking to him. And and he's making sure. more money than you are. No, no, no. He's got like this whole book. Hey, he has to like legitimize his business. He's like showing me his incorporation documents and stuff. I'm like, why are you showing me all this? Like, obviously you're not legit. And he's got like white all over his nose. <laughs> but, but you know, I bought a shirt from him and I was, walk- <laughs> I was walking away with my $25 shirt that I Venmo him. And he's like, oh, you got to say gift after he like tries to legitimize the business with all these like documents at the end of it. He tells he's like, you to send him a gift. <laughs> he's like, you got to do Venmo. You got to put gift because he doesn't want to pay taxes on it. And then I'm like, all right, cool, bro. See you later. Also, you got a little bit of white stuff on your nose. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. oh, he's like, oh, I got a little bit of a cold. I'm like, okay, sure, dude. So, um, but that's that's the stuff that I like spend my money on. But it's all about the mindset. Was it? Of, was it, okay? I can go buy. I can go make more money, right? But this is also why I learned from you. Like, you're a healthy influence on me because I don't spend much money at all, and I see you just throwing money everywhere. I like, do not. <laughs> You're just a big spender. <laughs> it was twenty five dollars. That's a lot. All right, that's that's more than my haircut, more than Frankie. Well, I get in those situations where I, I start talking to the guy because I make eye contact and then I get deep in this conversation. And then all of a sudden, I spent twenty minutes and then I feel like I can't walk away and not. So the moral of the story is <laughs> Don't he made more contact. money than you did this month. <laughs> bought the shirt for mike because i was like i'm not gonna wear this and it was like it was way too big for him so i just threw the shirt away (laughs) and then i so you just threw 25 dollars away so then i'm holding on the shirt and i'm like i should really take this to goodwill i should just throw it away and then it's like weighing on my mind for like two weeks i keep looking at the shirt and then i finally just threw it away and then i felt guilty about it i'm still talking about it today no i actually this is important to acknowledge because (laughs) i do this kind of too, but in the opposite direction, right? Like I'll go out of my way not to spend a hundred dollar bill because I don't want to break it. <laughs> like I, I won't go anywhere. I just won't like do anything or spend the money because I don't want to have all the small bills. So yeah, I wouldn't it, do. It, I, my, you I just hand it to somebody. You just like, it here. Here's a hundred <laughs> no. bucks. Like it's twenty five dollars shirt. You know what? All I have is a hundred. I don't have any so, change here. Just when, keep it all. It's when fine. we were when we were in Denver. I was texting Miguel and the last time I texted him was from the year before. And so I like was looking at an old text message it, and my last text message to him was like, I spent my last $20 on the guy on the street because <laughs> I gave my $20 to the homeless man. I actually remember that day too. You just gave him 20 bucks. <laughs> just, and then I like, I needed, I needed, I was like, I needed cash for something really bad later. And I like, didn't have any cash. So I was like, I just gave my 20 last $20. There's gotta away. be some kind of balance between us with this. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere somewhere somebody's happy and they know how to spend their money they know how to spend it <laughs> smart smart money let's go listen to that podcast all right let's get let's both get profitable so we can spend money again all right like this is this is good because you need to save money this is, this is healthy for you all right i'm making a lot good. of money so this is going to help me spend more so we're in good places with our lives right now Maybe we'll get better yeah, but then your firm's going to keep growing. 
and you're still going to be doing that. And then you're going to be right back at the same profitability you were before you made those hires. I think we're only at like 10% now. I'll, I'll talk about our numbers, but we used to be 40%. And that's kind of my goal. I'm setting the goal, and I've set it this year, to become 45% profitable. And I know realistically it's probably going to be in the high 30s or 40. But if we can be 40% profitable, I think that would be, you know, that, that I think that's more important than top line growth. First, can we comment that my voice is a little too like rumbly. Juana says she can tell if I'm high because it sounds like that. So mm. I just want to point that out. Um, mm. I probably was high. My voice was hoarse. I must have just come from, I don't know if I was sick or had a weekend or something. Well, you look sick. <laughs> you, look sick. <laughs> you, keep, you keep stopping it in the worst. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll well, they don't. They don't see where I stop that. So it's like wait, this is our reaction video, so I can like move it and then put it back on when we're done talking. Like it's a uh, it pause in the middle, right? Um, uh, let me also point out that I was forty two percent profitable this year. One year later, like over a year later. Well, I think so. We need to I was predicting forty. It's actually, you know what? If I take discretionary out, um. Is that let's see include paying salary or just no 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 so let's say let's say I take out so on our on our p and l if I take out all of my discretionary and my salary, anything that went to the owner, so cash to owner or or like my discretionary spending mm-hmm. um, we don't do that we don't do that like honestly you know when i when I put the stuff in here for all right let's just let's just say. It's at 47.57%. I I thought 45 was a stretch. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. So all that being said, it turned out to be a pretty good year. (laughs) (laughs) Is that giraffe reacting? Is that part of the reaction video? Giving a little shout out to the drivers. You want to like peek in and see what's going on. So 47%. Um, now I don't want to go back to 10 for sure. But now I think I have some more like emotional stability. Like going through those lows is hard, but you have to do it. Like I, we needed to go through that to get here. Like I, I had a, I had a hell of a few years, you know, turning this into what it is now right like but still the work is never finished you know you always have to have one eye sleep with one eye open because you never know things can flip very quickly flip all it one takes year. is losing a few especially with with because our client base is small and they're larger dollar amounts so as soon as you get like a six thousand dollar client leave there five thousand dollar client leave there and like bam flips so I'm trying to figure out like the sweet spot on, you know, and I went to um, David C. Baker's uh, event, uh, benchmarking. Yeah. When you went to Atlanta. Financial, yeah. yeah, when I went to Atlanta. And his whole thing was, I mean, we've all heard that you're not supposed to have more than like, you know, 15% or 20%, whatever, concentration risk. But he also says you shouldn't, your client should be no less than 4% of your revenue. Which I think is doesn't really apply to probably one, one particular client should never be more one than particular client. Point. But that's like if you have a million dollar firm, that's like a three thousand dollar a month client. So I think that applies more to agencies. But it made me think about in our industry, there should probably be a maximum and a minimum, right? Like you don't want oh, yeah, to take yeah, yeah, on yeah. clients that are too small, and then as you grow, your minimum should also grow with that. Well, yeah, because that cannibalizes all your time. Everybody says when they land these huge clients, these big, big deals, they always regret it because they you can't keep up. You don't have the resources to feed that, and it starts. I mean, you've you've went through situations like this where almost all your resources are dedicated to like one client. We did, and I don't regret it. Like I'm I'm feeling the effects now, but I have a bunch of cash saved up. Like I made a ton of money last year, so yeah. it's just kind of like pushing it into last year rather than if I would have like spread it out over it allowed me to grow faster and allowed the team to learn quickly. So I don't regret it. Um, but yeah, now we're in the situation where we have to replace all that revenue. I got a little bit lazy. Like I could have not lazy, but I could have spent more time 
making sure we had like padding the pipeline so that when it happened, like we had plenty of time, we knew it was coming, but anyway, yeah, well, that's, yeah, why, that's, that's why, that's why proper planning, right? Well, like that's in, why you always put, um, termination clauses in your contract. So for this client, they were paying us $21,000 a month and we had a 90 day cancellation. So even after they terminated the contract and they sold their business, they still had to pay us for three months. They still had to pay us 60 grand. Yeah. But you, and you should have based, you know, it should be 30, 60, 90, sometimes 120 days, depending on the size of the contract. Yeah. It's gotta be the size of the client. Like I, I don't think I would ever keep a client, um, paying us that long if they wanted to just leave but because our clients are all like you know we have a hundred clients so one yeah. leaves we could replace them but there's no one that is much bigger than all the others they're all pretty much about the same yeah or we have a we do it by size so like i think it's like under 2500 it's 30 days and then there's like six i can't remember how we do it but um yeah. we just have them pay at the beginning of the month so anytime they cancel we ask actually you're right we i think we do ask them like a, a 30 days but Basically, it's, it's always like if it's during One that month, month, yeah, we they're going to pay for the next month and they're done pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not really that big a deal. But yeah, that's it is pretty important, though. You should always have something in place as like a especially if you have a high concentration of like one or two clients that are yeah you know taking up most of your time, like you're doing almost everything for a few clients and they just keep asking you to do more. You got to rethink your model there. And, yeah. You know. You obviously did something to make yourself to a conscious decision where you knew you weren't going to be profitable, but it was for a long-term profitability. One of my rocks this quarter is to figure out a way to give people bonuses based on profitability. And that's, you know, I still haven't even gotten down to that. Being very profitable was at a cost and it cost me my time, my personal freedom. I didn't have that much freedom to do as many things as I do now. Lopez used to be like pre-gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-gusto. I do what I want. And that's, there's costs. So let me just say I was wrong there because I have all the time in the world and I'm profitable now. Did you? I thought that being profitable up, cost you your time. Did you end up implementing something like that where your team makes more money depending on profitability they need that in more real time because they all know like the way we have our bonus structured now that they, they want to restructure it because it's like you got to wait till the end of the year which is after tax season mm. and they get a percentage now the team team they could still get a percentage of revenue we may work we may work something different out there but the management team they get a percentage of profitability now so they both split a percentage of the profits. Um, yeah. And that's probably, I don't know how, how we're going to change that, but that's, um, you know, so many firms get so complex with the way that they track this because it's like, is it gross profit? Yeah. Is it profit after expenses? And how much of my discretionary stuff is in there already that they, they want to take out? So we do it on gross and it's just like, now, we're, I mean, we, it is pretty clean because the only thing we have in gross is like salaries and things that they can control, right? Or in the cost. So we put yeah. team salaries in there and just, so they do, they are going to get a percentage of the profitability and we figured that out. I got to look at what the percentage is, but that, if, yeah, I mean, basically. Yeah, I went through the same out. thing. I was like, is it accrual or is it cash? And then we have all the discretionary spending and then in one month. Yeah. And then it's like, do you include their pay out in the next one <laughs> when you're calculating the net profit when you pay them the bonus because then it changes the net profit uh, uh, that's what I, so I, I said that we do do include that so i do know how we calculate it and we just pay it out over 12 months so it's like part of their check and so if somebody leaves they just forfeit the rest of that bonus so wait say that again so they're right now they're being... still getting paid out the last year's bonus so last year's bonus will be paid out over the following 12 months for 2023. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that incentivizes them to stay. That's mm -hmm. kind of cool because then you've got that cash, you know, what's coming, you know, and set that aside. I mean, basically like it increases their salary, you know, the way that they look at it or the way that they right, see it right. is, and they used to get 10%. So I used to give the whole team 10% of gross revenue that they produced because it's all in carbon like we know the work that they're doing and they didn't like that they thought that was too high of a, the bonus was too big and they would prefer a more stable salary 
over a really large bonus. All, universally, they yeah. all preferred that. They like the stability. So now they get 5%, and uh, we did a salary now, bump. What if somebody joins halfway through the year or at the end of the year? It's just the work that they did. So after, like, basically when they start getting work assigned to them is when it starts accumulating. So we've had people start later, and then they just have, they've done less work, right? So their bonus is smaller because the work, you know, is being assigned to them. Once they have a full workload, you know, so if they work 12 months, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It's just the work that's been completed. In the, if it marks complete before the last day of April, they get the credit for it, right? And then we just take a percentage of all of that. Um, nice. Works out pretty good. It's pretty easy. Yeah. You know, it's a system that they can measure and they can see all year. So they see how much work they did. They see how much work everybody else did compared to them. You know, they, they're tracking that stuff, like how much work's been completed. So wait, is the bonus based on how much they individually contributed or uh -huh. as the, has the, Oh, okay. Interesting. It's not on the company as a whole. Chris and Matthew are the company as a whole though. So they are yeah. looking at oh, okay. profitability. So they're both of theirs is a percentage of profitability. The other guys are a percentage of the work that they do because they can't really control profitability. They can right. control the work that they're doing. And it's so far it's worked out. Okay. I think that, that now they're just a little anxious. Like they just want to get paid more because they know how much I'm making. And that's like <laughs> a, uh, when, when I'm, when things aren't going well, they don't want salary cuts. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to tighten their belt, but now that things no. are going well, yeah. you better, you better uh, pay up. So I get that's it. Like, I get it. That's like, I never really showed my team the detail of our, financials until now i <laughs> until now <that> like <laughs> see how much little money i'm making and how yeah. much <laughs> but that's you oh. said so, so that's only when i started showing it was when everything went down <laughs> <laughs> everything started going downhill so you're right on track <laughs> feel sorry for me you all make yeah. more money than i do yeah but we all struggle with that as business owners like a lot of people don't want to share their profit you know, and and people don't want to share because they don't want their team to find out because they think they're making too much money. Sometimes they don't want to share it because they are not making enough and they don't like want other people to know how much, how little they're making. But honestly, like, I think that's the, um, that normalizes a conversation for me. Once I know like that, then I could, I could structure the conversation around, okay, what do you want to improve? Right. Cause we're used to that with our clients. We see how much we see everything. So all of my relationships have always been structured around, okay, what can we improve from these, these numbers here? Like always working from the numbers backwards. Um, I guess that's why, yeah, oof, I should look into that a little more. That, that uh, I value everything through the numbers. We are predisposed to that as accountants. Yeah. I guess um, that's a deeper question for a different day. to that i think people are afraid to raise their prices because i think people will leave but what's going to end up happening most of the time is your bad clients will leave your good clients will pay the extra you'll be doing less work and making more money yeah so do less work make more money i think that's the <laughs> yes. you know it, it so the there is no key to profitability we could talk about this for days is it because you want to have you know to, to be able to have that financial freedom i think money money's most intrinsic value is that it gives us the ability to have control over our time. Drop the mic. So we've learned a lot over the year and, and nothing, it, things haven't changed that much. You know, we say a lot has changed in a year, but I think our mindsets around most of this haven't changed that much. W would you agree? I would agree with that. I think fundamentally we're still the same people. <laughs> yes, that is, that is true. I think we've both we... gotten better looking. I think our offices are both way better looking than they were before. That is true. I think we're more confident. Yes. Whether that be a good thing or a bad thing. Well, it's going to turn into a bad thing when we get too confident. That's, that's the trouble that I'm approaching. I'm getting a little too confident in everything I'm doing, I'm going to have to scale that back. <laughs> I'm, I'm my own worst enemy on both sides of this, right? Like, yeah. Before I knew I knew nothing, and I was just yeah. like, everybody help me. I don't know anything. <laughs> Ken, Kenji did mention that. Denver. He's like, I'm a little bit worried about little toddler. I think he's getting a little bit too confident. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think he's 
fine. <laughs> oh, we all need a little bit of confidence, but yeah, he's probably right. You should worry about me because I've had, I, I have, uh, I have a history of, of getting a little too overconfident with things and you can smack really? me around a few times. Oh, hell yeah. Like I, I used to know it all, like it, especially mm. within the pageant world. Like they blew up my ego. I knew everything. You can't tell me nothing. I'm, I know it all, <laughs> you know, like peak of Mount stupid is what I used to say. And it's true. Like that. I don't know where that ends up though. Like, I honestly, like I am I'm really humble about all this stuff now because I know I know nothing, but I still know, I know a thing or two, you know, that I can help people too. So it takes that confidence to be able to teach. And we weren't teaching then we were complaining. I was complaining right? and we were trying to, I was trying to formulate what I knew about profitability and it was anchored on cutting costs. Basically that's, that was my, my synopsis of how I thought about it was anywhere you can cut costs. That's how you become more profitable, but that's not always true. Would, would you agree? Like there's other ways to profitability than just cutting costs. Yeah. So there's one way that you can be more profitable. You just look at your bank account every day. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's going and if up. it goes, if it goes up, it goes that's up. good. You just keep doing what you're doing. If it goes down, <laughs> you, you, you cut every benefit for your for your employees. That's how you do it. Cut every benefit. So <laughs> now, give me your real your real take. I think profitability is fluid, and you can look at it day-to-day, or you can think of it a long-term strategy, right? Of Like, where do you want your firm to be? Do you want it to be a lifestyle firm? Do you want to grow? Do you not want to grow? And then you figure out what is your optimal profitability and what's your optimal lifestyle. Like, for me, I just want, I want a lifestyle firm. Like, I want something that I wake up every day and I'm excited to work on whatever I'm working on. And if I don't show up to work that day because I'm traveling or doing something else, like, the firm still runs. And, and I want, like, I always wanted a firm that was a firm that I wanted to work at. Like our team, like our team works 36 hours a week. That's our work schedule. Our team has flexibility, but we still get our done because we're not working at an office where you're showing up and like getting distracted by stuff all day. So it's like kind of like work smarter, not harder, but also work hard too. Yeah. That makes sense. No, no, that does Like it's not that I don't work hard. I'm just working on things that I like working on. I think no, sometimes no, no. people... We- People mistake me, you, and Kenji to think that we just party all the time, but we all work very hard on our respective fields. Like we work hard and then we play hard too. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we go hard in both directions. There is no like finding the middle. So I, I just wanted to be clear on that. Like we, we all do work hard. I, I, I complain or I say that I don't do anything. I don't work, but God, you should see how hard I work on these raps now. <laughs> like, <laughs> we work hard. hard on things. Yeah. And I, I work hard too. Like it, it I, you know, most of the time during the week I am working and then what we talk about is always the fun that we're having, which is in a way part of what, you know, it's part of working. It's part of our career. Um, but yeah, we work hard. I, I just must say too, <laughs> that, oh, you don't hear it. Simple test. <laughs> Simple test. <laughs> so I, do oh now I can't close it. All right, Simple I do. Tough. I do work hard. That took me twenty hours to do that one right there that I've been <laughs> overplaying over and over and telling people and sharing it. That took me about twenty hours. <laughs> so I need to get some mileage out of it. <laughs> so I feel like you are. You know how people talk about value pricing, and it's not about the amount of time that you put into it. You're valuing this rap more because you put more time into it and you're promoting it more even though it may not be your best rap. oh no 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 this took me less time than most of them <laughs> oh okay oh yeah, yeah, yeah no some of them took me like over a week like this actually i say 20 hours maybe not um but the two i spent the least amount of time was this one and the super app other ones took me like 50 hours if i had to really track it well there's creating it and then you also when you're performing it you you have to memorize it. So you're probably spending oh, a lot of yeah. time memorizing That's, it. But I'm not tracking any of that time. But yes, maybe I am valuing <laughs> it, overvaluing it because of the time. I think you were trying to bridge that there. I just wanted to say that it did take me, uh, it took me a long time to do. But uh, that, let's not, let's not keep talking about that. So what, uh, the, the one comment on like, 
your lifestyle, your value and what you want to do and how you want to, you know, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at at the beginning too. There is no right answer for this profitability. There are ways to increase your profitability. It's not just cutting costs. Your pricing is one of the most important things for profitability. If you get your pricing right, the rest of the stuff does not matter. And that's exactly yeah. Yeah. like, it's just hard to see that in the short term for anybody. Like um, when you think, okay, I'm going to raise my prices for all my clients. And then you chicken out because you think that first one that you're looking at, they're going to leave. Oh, and then you see another one. Oh, they're probably going to leave too. And then all of a sudden you think all those dominoes are going to fall. Just like you said last year, it's the same thing. People are afraid to raise their prices because they think people are going to leave. But I know firms that have gone through three rounds of price increases in the last couple of years and they're doing just fine because the clients kind of knew that anyway. They knew that was coming. Pricing is going to be, this is a lead into our next pricing episode. We're going to do a whole episode just on pricing again. Well, we did repricing. That was a good episode. That was already 102 then. We're going to do pricing round three because repricing was supposed to be review of pricing. So we're, we're going to do pricing 103 because I think that is one of the most important topics we can touch on for profitability because that covers everything else. You can have an abundant mindset if you price everything right. And yeah. it's so important. That's the, one of the pillars. So we're going to construct our four pillars just like Riza did. And pricing is one of those. Pricing is one. And then uh, also I feel like when, our reven- like when my revenue is down, I'm tempted to, to either lower my prices or take on a client that's not a good fit. And yeah. so Ashley will, I'll get frustrated because I'm like, just close the deal. And then she'll be like, there's a lot of red flags with that client. But for me, I'm like, well, who cares? Just bring them on. I'll like take on, because that's all money in my pocket, right? right. And so, uh, but then also, I also see her point of like long-term, is it, is that a good decision? Because then what happens if they take up capacity and then another client walks through the door a week later and they could be a better client. So uh, it's just like hard to make those decisions. But I think you have to stay true to your well, pricing. Well, Chris are good at that. Ashley yeah, and Chris well, yeah because, it's, <laughs> because it doesn't impact. The money doesn't go in their true. pocket and when they make true. a new sale, it goes in our pockets. That's true. That's how everybody is. So they, they are not anxious to take on new clients at all. They're basically like, they, they give me the finger whenever I say, why are you just letting that go? Like, why are you letting that client go? It's like, because it doesn't affect me. It, does, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, they're basically at that point now. So I got to watch that. There's a, we yeah, got to figure like, out ways for them to incentivize them a little bit more in the short term because they don't see it. They see all that long tail. Uh, I see the long tail of it, but they, you know. I think, and that's one thing I think I want to do is the incentivization because the sales process, it'll go on for six weeks. And I'm like, why are you going back and forth in email over the, why is it taking so long? This <laughs> is no sense of urgency here, but that's why you have to align incentives. And that's why I think the, the profitability, uh, like profit share model you're doing is good. And I'd like to get there at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it'll take you some time. You got to get your, got to get your together. You do need to start by cutting costs right now. I know I said that's not the only way to increase profitability, but it worked for me and I'm still standing. We did price <laughs> increases, but not as aggressive. Yeah, no, not as aggressive as I would have liked. Like I would have raised prices more, but they are they are still very concerned of clients leaving. You know, like I have a really good team. I'm not like I'm not saying they always give me the finger. They know when they I need to shut my mouth. Like they are they're good at shutting me up. Um, sometimes I, I have foot and mouth syndrome. With price increases too, so one thing that we're doing with this next round of price increases is we're actually giving more for free while we do the... So we have some legacy clients that we need to increase price for that we haven't for like years, but we're rolling out... <laughs> this has been a very, very long, lifelong project for me. Uh, we're finally there. They're rolling out like these reports that are going to look at KP, specific KPIs around profitability and cash flow. So it's going to be like an add-on that we're going to provide for all of our clients and start getting feedback on. Um, so that's kind of one thing you can do is give something for, like always be adding more. So like when you go to the price increase, at least they feel like they're getting something more at the same, it's like trying to time that at the same time. So I don't know why I waited this long, but I pulled up from Jasper. What are the ways to increase profitability? at an accounting firm. And now I got to find that document. All right, here, I got it. Um, 
So I asked Jasper, and it listed eight ways to increase profitability. I think that we did a better job in our prior year discussing profitability than Jasper did, but it does have some interesting points here. So all I did was I kind of like bolded the ones that, um, like they give full sentences. So it's enhance customer service by offering more comprehensive services and better customer satisfaction ratings. So yeah, that's, that's good. Right. Yeah. And uh, what we didn't talk about was also that would be more on like on the upselling, but can you offer, are there more services that you can offer your existing client base? Mm-hmm. Which can sometimes be challenging, right? Because we're not the ones doing the work. So how do we train our team to then recognize when a client might be indicating they want something else and then trying to come back to us and cross-selling? But I yeah. know like large sometimes organizations... they don't know what they want too. Yeah, you have like, uh, you know, some of the bigger firms, like I know Cutie, they specifically have people that that's their role is to go upsell clients, you know, cross-sell. Yeah, like they're meeting huge. with... The, and that's a different personality type. You don't necessarily want your accountants tr- selling. They don't want to sell. So if you're have a, you have somebody on your team that can go and actually meet with all the clients and constantly be talking to them and having those conversations, that would be nice. But a lot of us are small. We don't have that luxury. Well, I think I can afford something like that now. I probably should do that. But right now, it's like I, I kind of want to coast. I don't want to push everybody too hard and give them more work. <laughs> yeah. And the potential for upsell has to be higher than that person's salary although you could you could have somebody at your firm do that as part of yeah. their role i suppose yeah i mean but that's that's a salesperson i mean i think that's that's ultimately where we're going to go but yes customer service keeping them happy customer satisfaction ratings as accountants we have terrible customer satisfaction ratings because a lot of us come a lot of accountants are in the business of doing compliance work and clients know they have to do that and so it's like it's almost like um that's to our disadvantage. Like for people that have tax shops that don't really treat their clients with the same care that you would get at an Apple care facility, you know, like it, it's almost like, um, like some certain hospitals that just don't care about how they treat, um, you know, like it's, it's just, it's have you been serving, watching yeah. that show on Netflix? Which one? New Amsterdam. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, I thought you were making a reference to that. No, but how is that? What what do they do there? It's okay. I have like high standards for shows, Mike says, and I was like, "This sucks. Let's change it." Um, well, I didn't, okay. I didn't. I didn't mean how was the show. I meant um, <laughs> what did they do in the show? <laughs> like compared. Oh, to I, th- I think yeah. it's based on a true story, but they bring in a new director of the hospital, and he basically is, they're all about money, and then he's all about saving people's lives, and so he, like fires a bunch of people and. It's making changes, basically, so for this the is greater what we good. Do in the accounting industry, you know? yeah, because they're subject to all these rules, and he's like, "Forget about the rules. Let's just do what's best for the patient." That right there, and that's that's what we need to do, especially tax preparers and stuff. Like, what's best for the client? Work for the client, not for the rules. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't break the rules. Don't don't be like me. I don't. I'm not a rule follower. I'm the last person that you want doing your taxes. I was going to say, I, th- I think that the fixed fee pricing model can go two ways, right? It can go, I'm going to do the minimum for you, or I don't have to think about worrying about if there's, you know, some of our calls with our clients, there'll be three of us on it or two of us on it. Sure. And our internal meetings will be two or three of us. When you're billing by the hour, like when I worked at a CPA firm, they didn't want me in the room because I was just another Billable. I'm billable, right? So, yeah. like, the client sitting there being like, "Well, there's three of you sitting here around me. I'm gonna have to pay for this." Versus if you, um, they don't have to think about that, right? And then you have the, the younger staff or the, the less experienced people that are learning from the more senior people. And there's no like trying to play telephone of, "Hey, you got to go do this now." It's everybody can just hit the ground running. Oh so yeah, yeah. That's one advantage. I mean, there's just there's just so many ways to work. It's the relationship that we are that we should be valuing that the clients value, not yeah. the work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the work is a byproduct of the relationship, but have leading with the relationship and leading with, you know, leading with, um, helping the client and having their best interest. Like I, I'm so excited about this Ron Baker episode, two, two episodes that, that I have coming out They're They're both titled too. You're going to love this. Um, I don't know if I want to even tell you, like I want you to be surprised, but we talk a lot about this and how like, guiding transformations 
guiding your client through a transformative experience because this is their future state that they desire. This is where they want to be and you're going to help them get there. So whether that's to sell their business or to become more profitable or to have more freedom, have more time, whatever their desires are, that's what you're selling in the beginning and you'll do everything in your power to get them there and you'll work with them to get them there. And especially if you see the path to getting there and they just need to get out of their own way, like that's what I was proposing to do with our client base is survey them and ask all of them, what do they want to change? Where do they want to be in a year and five years? And not like the typical interview question, but what are the, what's the one big thing that they are afraid of or that they, one big thing that they want to change in their business and just ask them that and look through the survey results. I know there's going to be 10% of our clients that would pay at least two grand a month to, for us to help them get there. And that's what I want to sell is that. And that's how I can help the firm. That's my high leverage point. Like give me $2,000 for an hour of my time, right? Mm -hmm. This is not an hour. I'm not pricing this by an hour. I'm just saying it's going to be about an hour, a call a month and that's it. And we just coach them to help them get there, hold them accountable, like, you know, all that stuff. But, so think? that's like what's on my mind right now because I'm like, as soon as I get momentum just kind of running by itself and we're more niche, we have more agency clients, I'd love to circle back and be like, okay, now I've built all this expertise. I don't have to do it. I have momentum. It's running. But if I want to make extra money, I'm like, here's what I'm going to charge for it and just charge a ton for it. And then if you get the work coming in, you do. And then you kind of compare the consulting with the delivery of the numbers and then like you can be the translator of those. So yes. I feel like the consulting part to me seems like I would love to end back there today because or back there one day because I love working with clients yes. and I miss that, but I need to build a foundation first and then come back to that. I think. So I've also had an epiphany. I actually had a, a couple that I haven't shared with you <laughs> in the past couple of days. Um, I also think that our firm or whatever it is, we can help accountants we already are. That's already our audience on the show. That's already Accounting High's audience. What if we just took over the work, had a subscription service for accounting firms, and not only was it like a um, consultative type relationship, but we also just did your books and your taxes because you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> why, why are you still doing that? If, you've pro if you're at a million dollars plus, right? So you market to a million dollar plus agencies, right? Yeah. What if my firm just marketed to a million dollar plus accounting firms? We'll do your books, we'll do your taxes, and we'll go deeper and help you get to that desired future state at your firm through accounting high. Mm -hmm. It depends if somebody doesn't want to do that, that work. But everybody ultimately comes back to wanting to do the bookkeeping work. Because like they recurring. want to do their own? It's recurring and it's profitable. No, no, I'm saying we would be doing that. We would be doing that for them? For just for the firm, not their clients. We're not taking their clients. We're not touching their clients. We're oh, just doing the that, owner's books. That's weird. No. Um, Why is that weird? Because they're just going to do their own. It's way easier just to do my own because I know everything already. I know where to put it. It's all discretionary stuff. Like, why would I outsource it to you? <laughs> the I don't sense. know. I mean, it's, we're not, they're not paying us for that. They're paying us for the, uh, for the other stuff. We'll just, the, we just do it too. Okay. So I was thinking about this because... They're not paying us to do the all books. of our all of our uh, like all of my network is other accountants like on LinkedIn and CFOs and bookkeepers and I'm like why am I not getting more I've had a, a couple calls with people and I was talking about how I'm trying to grow like this agency niche and I, I you know trying to get more clients and they were like well you should like other Market accountants. accountants other accounts should be referrals for you so I'm like maybe I should do I'm so dumb like why don't I have a referral program right we're like if people were from, cause I do this with, with another firm, I send them leads and they yeah. pay me. I'm like, I should do that. I should create a referral program for my network. And then also for people that want clients because we're so niche now, we say no to a lot of clients, but we also need a very, very specific client. And sometimes it's harder to find that. Right. Cause we don't have, so anyway, I was like, Oh no. Like that's what I should do with this network of accountants. I have is like create a referral program. And so it's all about finding the right, because 
it's, I feel like it's very confusing for buyers of accounting services because even though we're similar, we all do different things. And so I can, we, we could say, okay, we know like this firm's a good fit for you. And we vetted that firm. So yeah. I don't know. Just, I, was trying, I love trying that. To come up with yeah. That. So you, you can start marketing that as like sort of like a service. You've always talked about this is like money for referrals, right? And market that directly to your audience on LinkedIn and have a way for them to sign up and they get a, you know, however you want to structure that. I think that's perfect. We can, we can talk, tell, talk about that here. Any of our listeners, do you have any marketing, marketing agencies? Nicole's going to come up with ways to uh, get you paid. I'll pay you. If you yeah. And if work, you're a yeah. new firm owner and you're looking for work, like we have a lot of clients that we don't, that aren't necessarily good fit for us. Um, and there's a lot of really experienced, good people that just are starting up and need clients. So maybe that's just like a referral network type of thing. So the, uh, so invest (laughs) the next point here. I, uh, we haven't got through these, but I'll, I'll get through them quicker. Invest in marketing and advertising services to attract more clients. That's how you improve profitability. I don't agree with that one. I mean, <laughs> I think that is so far. It's the cost. <laughs> yeah. So far, I've spent a lot of money on this, and I, I, I think it's going to pay off. I like the agency I'm working with now. It's I love the copywriter. Like he's, I don't know, maybe he's going to Chat GPT and just spinning up stuff. I love it. All right, all right. That's cool. That's cool. Um, Streamline operations by utilizing tech and automation wherever possible. Yeah. We did talk about automations. That's for sure. That's definitely Duh. a good one. Offer competitive pricing on services. No, I do not agree with that one. Offer competitive pricing. How does that help your profitability? It doesn't. It helps you get clients. Maybe, yeah. And that's not profitability, though. This is, this is wrong. This is why I don't agree with all of these. Some of them are good, though. So... You could probably pair this down to three good ones, but take advantage of opportunities for niche marketing, such as startups yeah. or small businesses needing specialized accounting advice. That small for businesses sure, is not a niche. Yeah, it's ninety six percent of the population. <laughs> or small businesses <laughs> needing needing. So this is part of the market that needs specialized accounting advice. So find that segment, okay. that market segment. But this niche markets, you know, startups is one. Take on contract work for other firms or individuals that need extra accounting help but may not have the resources to hire full time staff. Okay, so if you have capacity, then yes, then you could try and do that. Um, sort of like what we were saying, just taking on the clients. It's, it, you would have to be the right client fit of what you're taking on. Just don't take on any type of work. Right, right. Increased efficiency by ensuring staff are trained in the latest software and practices so that they are able to finish tasks faster without compromising accuracy or quality of work. So... Yeah, like keep them trained. That's that's important. Hopefully, our partners do a good job of that, like with their certifications and training tips and communities. Accounting things. Accounting. That's what things. I called it. I couldn't think of the on the day. I was like, accounting things. I like it. I like it. I've said. I've said. Accounting <laughs> platforms. Accounting channels. Accounting things that improve your accounting life. That, by the way. We had a huge bump in in uh, signups today, and yes. I didn't know why. And then Byron said, "Yep, it was Nicole's um, post." Yeah, thank you for doing that. That was awesome. I think you we had like thirty sh- people. You know what we should do is um, put the link to it on your profile right when you come to your LinkedIn. Put oh, okay, that okay. because anybody that comes to your page, I've done that before. We'll all put links to our episodes or YouTube video or something like that. And those will always have the most views because that's the first link that people come to when they come to your LinkedIn profile. Okay. okay. So if you want to promote something for a while, just have it there. Right. First thing. Oh, good idea. Good idea. Um, Thank you. Expand business relationships with other companies or professionals in related industries, such as legal and financial advisors, increase referrals and leads. Kind of like you just suggested you were going to do for getting more leads from people, but this is incentivizing them through money, right? A money incentive for leads. Yeah, I mean, all of Uh, our app partners do that. They give us perpetuity, revenue and perpetuity. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to play that episode. We talked about that. I just heard about it today. Um, So, What episode? Oh, where we played a clip from that uh, song. Oh, God, that was Um, funny. Yeah. So... 
all in all, profitability can be impacted through a lot of different things. And Jasper had some good tips, but we don't agree with everything AI says, right? We always have to take AI with a grain of salt. They're about, in this case, I would think there was about 60% right, 70%. Yeah, it was pretty good. It gave us yeah. what I what I like about Jasper and Chat GPT is that it gives you ideas to work off of and use your own experience to riff off of, which I like. Yeah, yeah, I love that because we need that a lot of times. Like we wouldn't even know where to start. I think a lot of these episodes now, if we just had a bullet point of what Chat GPT or Jasper had to say about that topic we talked about last year, we should lead with that too, and like talk about that and go through ours but this is this was our test run um i'm gonna probably have to trim this down a little bit but uh it was we good could call, we could just start a whole new podcast called the chat gpt accounting podcast and we just type in prompts and then we just talk about the prompts <laughs> it's a series at accounting high it's a p a i class that's our a p i love that you keep doing that it's just like what <laughs> Is he? Is he what? <laughs> I I don't know. I yeah. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I want to. That was the giraffe giraffe yeah. sneaking the in. Giraffe so giraffe sneaking in. He is he is cute. Just I need when he pops in. Penny the pig. Oh, do they have Penny the pigs? I don't know, but they should. If they don't, I actually yeah. said pig. Uh, Penny, piggy. I think I. I used the wrong name in my LinkedIn post today, and then I corrected it. Anyway, alrighty. Well, what should get... what's the what's the what's the mascot for Accounting High? Ooh, that's a good question because usually in high schools you have a mascot, but that's the name of your high high Accounting High. Is it an eagle? Is it like soaring the Accounting High eagles or the Accounting High? Hyenas, like hyenas. <laughs> you could probably get a cute hyena. <laughs> like, I'm gonna have to think on that. I'm gonna process that for a minute. I'm gonna come but back. But that does that answer. does work on another level because it's a laughing hyena. Like they because I'm always laughing. Yeah, like the, the accounting high hyenas. <laughs> it, it's also high in the name hyena. Like, isn't that how you historically put it? not a very appealing animal? Lion King. They were cute enough. Yeah. No? No. They were the bad They're guys. They're like the guy, the bad guys, yeah. Maybe a I always lion. laughed at them. Loyal lion. The what embodies high lions. I'll have to the high lions? Ooh, I don't know. The high um the Cheshire cats. I like cats. Yeah. The accounting high wildcats. I have a joke, okay. So as the accounting high Maine Coons. As as women get older. They acquire more cats, and it's called Many Paws. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, peace out, Nick. All right, later. (laughs)